Welcome to Story Jam. Hey, this is Stephanie Rogers. I'm the host and producer of Story Jam, a live lit storytelling and music show based in Chicago. Story Jam presents fantastic stories and a kick-ass band playing original songs written for each story. For more about that, please visit us at storyjamshow.com. Today's podcast features a charming story by the delightful and worldly Margaret Gilmetti. Margaret is the author of a memoir entitled Bravish, a memoir of a recovering perfectionist. She's a solo show artist and a storyteller in Chicago, and all of her goings-on, including her amazing photography, can be found at margaretgilmetti.com. That's G-H-I-E-L-M-E-T-T-I. We're going to hear Margaret's story from our live show, then the song we wrote for it, and then we'll have a brief chat with the lovely Margaret. Now here is Margaret Gilmetti, live at Story Jam. At 56 years old, I have in my hair a fair amount of what I like to call silver. (laughs) And I have in my joints what I am not happy to say is creakiness. But I am not dead yet. Thank you. One way I know that is I still really, really appreciate a good-looking man. That's one... Thank you. That's one of the reasons I go back to Italy a lot. There is a lot of male beauty in that country. A lot. That's also why I married a man whose last name is Guillemetti. So 11 years ago, I was back in Tuscany with my husband, Patrick, with my big brother, Charlie, who's here tonight, with, hi, Charlie, with, uh, <laughs> with Charlie's wife, Mary Ellen, and their two daughters, who were teenagers at the time, two beautiful, tall redheads, and uh, Patrick and Charlie and the family and I had spent some wonderful time in Tuscany at a little farmhouse hotel that we love there. In the middle of the Chianti vineyards, it was fantastic. And then our Tuscany time came to an end. It was time for Patrick, my husband, to go back to work. So off he went to the airport. And uh, Charlie and the family and I were going to take the train from Florence north to Switzerland for the second part of our vacation. But first, we needed to drop off our rental car. We had a tomato red Fiat. And we drove into Florence, and we left Charlie and his two daughters by the Florence train station with the actual mountains of luggage that teenage girls travel with. (laughs) And Mary Ellen and I went to drop off the car. And I lived in Italy. I know Florence a little bit. And uh, I was able to find the car rental office pretty easily, but they had told me, just leave the car in a garage. It's just a block away because you'll never find parking in old Florence. You just won't. These tiny little cobblestone streets. So... 
We found the car rental office and we drive by, but I cannot find the garage. So we drive around again and we cannot find in the garage. And I, we're going around the third time. I said to Mary Ellen, you know, I'm starting to get nervous. We're going to miss this train. I think I better just stop at the car rental office and ask for help. So we pull up outside the car rental office. And I said to her, you know, if I had my way, I would just leave this car right here, right now. And right then, who comes walking towards the car from the general direction of the car rental office? Gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous. This brown, wavy hair, a navy blazer that's cut close, but not like creepy tight, you know what I mean? Oh, this beautiful smile and this face that could have been carved by Michelangelo. So he comes walking towards the car and I get out of the car and he walks up and he goes, Buongiorno, signora. And I managed to say, Ciao. And he said, Signora, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? And I started to explain to him in Italian, you know, we found you, but we can't find the garage and we can't find parking. He stopped me. He said, Signora, prego, please let me help you. And I said, oh, okay, grazie, grazie. And, and, and I gave Marielle the thumbs up and she got out of the car. And the guy said, Signora, I will handle this for you. And I said, fantastic. And he said, may I have the keys? So I handed him the keys. <laughs> and he said, may I have the contrato? So I handed him the rental car contract. And he gave me that smile again. And Mary Ellen's out of the car. She hands me my Bagalini backpack that I travel with everywhere. And the guy gives me one more smile. And he gets in our tomato red Fiat. And he starts to drive off. And I turned to Mary Ellen. And I said, that is exactly what I hoped would happen. <laughs> This is fantastic. That's exactly it, right? So I said, okay, Marianne, let's go in. Let's finish up the rental. Can I have the contract? And she said, you just gave the contract to the guy. And I said, I just gave the contract to the guy. I just gave the contract to the guy. Did I just give the contract to the guy? And I gave the keys to the guy. And the guy just got in the car. And the guy is just driving away in the car. And she said, yes. Well, I had noticed his style and his smile. I had not noticed he's not wearing a uniform and a name tag that says, Buongiorno, my name is Giovanni. How may I help you? No, I did not notice that. And Mary Ellen said what I did next was I pulled on the Bagalini backpack like a gunslinger going into battle, and I started off running after that car. And the car was already down this cobblestone street, right? But I am running. I have to catch this car. And as I'm running, running through my head are a few things. Uno, I'm running. I was 45 years old. I have never been a runner. I was like, this is fantastic. I'm running, right? <laughs> Due, when my husband sees on our credit card bill replacement of entire fucking rental car, <laughs> not good, not good at all, right? And tre, what do I think a 45-year-old woman on foot armed only with a Bagalini backpack is going to do when she catches a car thief? 
But I had to keep running. I'm running and running and running four blocks. I mean, flat out. I can still see the car ahead. And at a certain point, I see he's going to turn left. And since I know a little bit about Florence, I know at that point, he's either going to go over the bridge, over the Arno River, onto the highway to Rome. And our car is going to be in a chop shop in Rome in, I don't know, three hours. (laughs) Or he can turn left again and go alongside the Arno River and stay in Florence and be in a chop shop in a much more convenient amount of time. (laughs) And even in my totally adrenaline-fueled state, I know I probably cannot run after a car down the highway. (laughs) So I cut the angle. I start running toward the river as fast as I can, two more blocks, and I get there, and I stop because... There is the tomato red Fiat, and the guy is squeezing the car into the only teeny tiny space that I have literally seen all day in Florence. And I stop, and I am like bent over. I'm gasping for breath, and he gets out of the car. He sees me. He's like, Signora, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, just one more view of Florence. It's so beautiful. I'm just trying to catch my breath, right? He goes... I had to come all this way to find a parking space. You're completely right. He says, come with me. We'll go back to the office. We finished the rental. I'm like, he does work for the car rental company? Oh, my God. So I'm just like heaving and gasping. And I'm like, no, please, go ahead. Prego, prego, prego. I'm just enjoying, enjoying, right? So he shrugs. He smiles at me again. That damn smile of his. And then he walks away, and I follow him when I can. And I get back. And Mary Ellen is still waiting for me there. And she says, I know you don't drink anymore, but if you did, damn, you could use a cocktail. (laughs) So we walk to the train station as Charlie is there with the girls. We get on the train. We go to Switzerland. We have a fantastic rest of the vacation. But I kicked myself about this for years. I was like, man, I was a fool at 45 in Florence. But I got to tell you, even if I live to 105, I hope I'm still a fool for a Florentine face like that. Thank you. I was a foolish girl in Florence. Panting along the river after you You were a dark and sexy Italian Whom I'd give my keys and papers and panties to Well, Florence is in Italy With a smile like that you could sucker me I don't have a By your swagger Smitten by the way You said prego Then you drove Right off in my Fiat I just sat and watched your stick shift Go Well, Florence Is in Italy With a smile Like that you could suffer Me I don't Sucker me, oh, 
Margaret's husband is from Switzerland, and I got to chat with Margaret via the airwaves all the way from Chicago to Switzerland. Here is our conversation. How did you put this story together? How did you know that you were going to tell this story? You know, it really was one of those lovely things where you start to tell the story anecdotally to friends. And when people are busting a gut, you kind of know, oh, wow, I made enough of an ass of myself that I better put this into story form. Um, and so that's, that's what happened. I have found over the years that people really do love not so much my travel adventures, but my travel misadventures. So that's when I wrote this one up. Did you write it up and craft it in the same way you would have told it to friends? Or does that change when you're crafting a story for performance? Uh, for me, I do just uh, write it all down. Just write it down the way I remember it. And then I definitely go back in and edit myself and craft it into a story with the classic beginning, middle, and an end. Uh, I'm always, of course, only looking for stories which have the protagonist changed in some way at the end of the story. So that's my litmus test to see whether it's a story or just a funny dinner party anecdote. So you've done a solo show. And in that solo show, did you string together, not for those of us who weren't lucky enough to see the show, did you string together a bunch of live lit stories that you had done for performance or did you do something different? Hmm, That's a great question. Uh, In that one, it was different because I knew what I wanted to do, which was to honor the process of growing up with my mother uh, and also my reawakening of my creative expression. So I knew the arc of the solo show and I did have some stories in it, but it was really more writing up uh, as though it were a memoir and then elaborating the parts that needed to be storified within that. So it really wasn't stringing together stories. It was writing it all down and then looking for the protagonist, the heroine's journey. When you're looking at storytelling, when you're preparing for a storytelling show, how do you take a story, an anecdote, or a piece from your memoir that you've written or from your live show, your solo show, how do you take that and adapt it for stage? I'm sure that it changes and comes to life in a different way somehow, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think what helps is having done a few stories, uh, reading something out loud, I can tell pretty quickly whether I think it's going to land at all. And again, I'm always looking for the why. Why am I going to tell the story? The only reason I do art of any kind is to try to connect with the audience So while I'm not looking for a moral to the story, I'm always looking for something that I feel at the end of it, someone may have a takeaway that either entertains them or inspires them. And otherwise uh, I'll pick another story. So (laughs) yeah, that's, that's, that's how I uh, do the litmus test on that. This story is so fun because you're putting yourself in as the protagonist, but you're also making a lot of fun of yourself. Did the humor come in after the fact or was the humor built into the story already? Uh, I'd like to think the humor was built into the story already. I uh, started, before I started storytelling, I did the whole year of improv at Second City, um, improv for adults. And what I loved was they said, we're not trying to make you funny. Um, we're trying to allow you to play. And also the, the rules of improv are yes and, and listen really hard to your scene partners. And those are relevant because... 
a really good story to me. I'm never trying to make it funny. If it's not funny on its own, it's just, it's not funny on its own. And life is pretty darn funny a lot of the time. So that stuff happened and I thought it was pretty, (laughs) pretty funny. (laughs) And you're right. I do love to make fun of myself. That's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) So you're a writer, you are a memoirist and you are a storyteller. So of those three, which is the most satisfying for you as the artist? Ooh, Stephanie, you're not going to make me choose my favorite child, are you? (laughs) Wow. Uh, uh, Quite honestly, each of them scratches very different itches. uh, And I really love that. They're all different ways to do what, as I say, I love most, which is connect. So they're really just different ways to reach out to an audience and see if I can share humanity with other people. Nice. Thank you. So what are your goals going forward as an artist in all those areas? Well, what I'd really love to do, because I love a creative challenge, and that's why I kept trying different uh, formats, is I'd really like to write something that is not as difficult for me as writing a whole book with an arc, because that nearly killed me. Um, I feel very (laughs) satisfied about it, but it was really, really hard uh, to braid together the narrator's emotional and literal journey. So what I'd love to do next is a book of essays. So I'd like to honestly talk about, write about anything that flies by my crazy brain. Um, That's part of what I love about improv is staying open to what's inspiring me, what's exciting me, what's confounding me. Uh, That's what I'd like to do next. Wonderful, Margaret. Well, we look forward to hearing, reading, and seeing all of that. Thanks, Steph. You're an amazing artist and we love you. Thank you. Love you too. Thank you, dear listeners. Please don't forget to visit us online and find out all about our classes and our workshops and our upcoming events. And if you can, kindly review our podcast so more people can find out about it. And always remember and never forget, in perpetuum storius, it means keep the stories going. See you next time at Story Jam. Check us out at storyjamshow.com.